powerful name. Amen. He's so good. God is so good. Thank you. Just so you can concentrate, why don't you just all have a good laugh now? <laughs> get it over with. My wife's on the phone. Said, what, where'd you get those socks from? Probably, probably because she bought them for me. Don't, don't buy me socks if you don't want me to wear them. <laughs> God is so good. Isn't it awesome? Anybody here for the first time this morning? Anybody here for the first time? Anybody going to admit to being in church here for the first time? No? So, so nobody brought anybody fresh. God is so good. God is so good. Amen. What a precious name that is, Jesus. What a powerful name his name is, Jesus. You know, when, when the disciples took the bread and the fish from Jesus and started distributing it on the grass hillside, when Jesus fed 5,000 men and their families... They, they, they were seeing something in him that they needed to be able to do after he'd gone. And they were seeing something powerful in Jesus and in his name. And uh, it was like uh, something which they had in their, so almost like on their hard drive of life that had been downloaded that they had. And so, you know, because they'd seen what Jesus did and they'd experienced it, they were able to follow through and... See, the, see the, so the more we expose ourselves to the goodness of God is what he's able to do. So they, they were experiencing that, and they experienced three and a half years of Jesus going through various situations where they would see him do incredible things. To get them to a point where when Peter and John went into the temple at the hour of prayer in Acts chapter 3, they were able to address a man who'd been there for over 40 years in the same state of crippledness, hadn't moved, was just living his life from day to day. They were able to draw on something which was inside them and deliver it to that man. His life totally changed. And we know what that is and what that was because we find it in Acts chapter 3 and verse 16 where it says, And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him his perfect soundness in the presence of you all. What an incredible scripture that is, and what an insight that gives us to the power of the name of Jesus and how we use his name, how we respond to his name, our belief in his name, to see things change in the situations we find ourselves in on a regular basis. I don't know whether you got that or not, <laughs> but his name and faith in his name has brought this man strong, or made this man strong. There's, there's something about the name of Jesus, something about the name of Jesus which, which changes situations. Something about this name which we use, which we, which we should know, will change situations around us. And there was nothing else here. Jesus wasn't here. He'd gone. See, when Jesus walked the streets of the towns and villages where he physically lived with his close followers, multitudes of people would receive a touch from heaven. Multitudes of people. There were accounts when every person that came into contact with Jesus was healed. When he walked the streets, when he, when he touched people's lives, when he ministered to people. His purpose was to do the will of the Father. That's why he was here, to do the will of the Father. For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. But in that not perishing and, ever, ever, and, ever, and having everlasting life was more than just a ticket to heaven. It was, it was a whole infilling of the Spirit of God on the believer. See, Jesus said, I came that you may have abundant life. 
well, you know, sometimes I think, what part of abundant life don't we get? What part of him coming for us to destroy the works of the devil and giving us abundant life, what part of that don't we get? Because that's what it says in the Bible. John chapter 10 and verse 10 says, the thief's purpose is to come kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, my purpose was to give you a rich and a satisfying life. I hope you're all enjoying a rich and a satisfying life. That's God's plan for our life. Well, however you, how you interpret rich and satisfying is, is, is up to you. But it's, it's probably best to go along with the Bible. You know, it says the thief has a purpose to come kill and destroy, to come kill, steal and destroy. You know, Pete had his truck broken into just last week. I think it was. That wasn't of God. He didn't, he didn't wake up, turn over, look at his trunk and say, oh, praise the Lord. It's God. He may have said praise the Lord because God is better. And he repays. But God doesn't allow the devil to do things. Well, you know, God doesn't, the devil doesn't do things. And we just say, okay, well, that's the way it is. <laughs> Greater is he who is me who is in this world. Amen. Amen. And, and he, does, he does repay sevenfold. But the thief has a purpose. And, and, and he's, how many of you experienced the purpose of the devil in your life? Yeah, manifesting. But Jesus came that we may have life and have it in all its fullness. And so heaven on earth, when Jesus walked the earth, heaven on earth was a reality to those who recognized him in person and believed in him. Who would recognize him. And believe in him. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 53, Jesus crossed over to the other side of the lake with his disciples. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Genesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. And in recognizing, they ran through the whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. Come on. I know he was there in person. And they're recognizing him in person, causing them to do this. But come on, we, he, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We should still be able to recognize him. So they recognized him and they carried whoever was sick to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that he might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. Wow. As many as touched him were made well. Why? Because they recognized him. There's something about receiving from what we recognize that is powerful. They recognized him. Yes, you say, well, he was there in person. They could see he had this and he had that. And it was a very, he's physical and they could touch him and this. But church, we can still recognize him today. Recognizing him is having faith in him. Touching him is reaching out to him in faith. And it says that they may just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. When the woman who had the issue of blood crept down on the dirt to get to the feet of Jesus so she could touch the hem of his garment, the Bible says virtue and power left him and he felt it. And he said, who touched me? Who touched me? I wonder as we gather on a Sunday morning in this place, you know, when, when, when we're in worship, when we're in his presence as we say we are. I wonder how many times Jesus senses, who touched me? Who touched me? In Life Church on Sunday morning. Who touched me? Because when we touch Jesus, power leaves him. 
who touched me? And when, when this woman scrabbles up to her feet and embarrassed and ashamed and stands before him, he looks and says, your faith has made you well. Your belief in who I am, you're recognizing who I am, and you touching me heals you. And it's your faith that does that. See, some people say, well, I don't receive from Jesus because they're not sick. You know, you don't have to be sick for things in your life not to be well. Hello. Just because you're not sick, just because you're fit and you're healthy, there could be things in your life that are not well. There could be things in your life where you need a touch from Jesus. There could be things in your life which are good, but they're not God. Sometimes we think, you know, Jesus just wants to heal people who are physically sick. No, he wants to heal people who are, who are sick, who are just not well. The thief has a purpose with a plan for your life, and it's more than just you not having a relationship with God now and throughout eternity. He has a plan for your life. His plan isn't just that you don't find Jesus. His plan is that he destroys you. <laughs> he wants to destroy everything good in your life. He wants to rob you of your testimony. Because yeah, he knows your testimony is powerful. He wants to rob you of everything that is good. He wants to rob you of, your, of that great marriage. He wants to rob you of those good relationships. He wants to rob you of that peace you have in your life. He wants you confused. He wants you messed up. Is a purpose to come kill, steal, and destroy. And so the devil's plan for this crippled man was working nicely. The devil had had him held captive for over 40 years as a crippled person. He said, well, he could have everything else going on in his life. Yes, he could have had everything else going on in his life, but he was still crippled. He was unable to be active in a way that which, you know, maybe his friends and his family were able to be active. Yes, his mind may have been fine and sharp and could have had a lot of good things going for him, but he was crippled for over 40 years. He'd been placed at the gate of the temple, the Bible says, to ask for alms from those who walked in. So he was a beggar. The devil had held him captive for over 40 years. It's amazing that things in our life will hold us captive. The things which stop us from moving on and moving forward in our relationship with God, they, held, they hold us captive. How many of you have situations in your life where you say, well, if only this wasn't the case, I could do this. Hello? If this was different, I wouldn't have to be here, or I wouldn't have to be there, and I wouldn't have to go through this, and, and I could do something else. And there are things in our lives which hold us captive. And for this crippled man, the devil's plan was working nicely for him for the, to, to rob, to kill, steal, and destroy. Over 40 years, this wasn't just, an, a, well, uh, just a, a, you know, a week of having the flu. 40 years, the same thing he'd been held captive with. And something changed, and it's his name. Through faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. You know him. You know he's been here. That's his testimony. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of of you all. What is it that is so powerful about the name of Jesus? 
Something so powerful about the name of Jesus and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. I'm sure this guy had been through everything, tried everything to just come to a place where he was just content, if you like, and this is the way it's going to be for me. You may hear people say, well, that's just the way it is for our family. You ever heard people say, well, that's just my luck, whatever that means. And engage in all sorts of superstitious things that you know, just cause us to just be contained where we are. What is it that is so powerful about the name of Jesus? See, because when Peter and John met with this crippled man, Jesus wasn't with them. I often wonder why it was that Jesus hadn't healed this man before. Because you'd assume that Jesus went up to the temple at the hour of prayer along with Peter and John on numerous occasions before this event. I just wonder why Jesus didn't do it before then. Maybe it's just because Jesus wanted to demonstrate his name and the power of his name and two people having faith in his name. After he'd gone. Jesus wasn't with them. See, these two men, Peter and John, weren't recognized by the man as anyone who could give him any hope for his tomorrow. Being better than his today. They, he just saw Peter and John as someone or a couple of people who could give him some cash just to get him through today so he'd be back there tomorrow. I talked to somebody in the town this week about his life, and, 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 and all he was, I said, Is there anything we can help with? Oh, I just want money. That's, all, that's all, like all he needed. That's all he, that's all he could see as being his hope for his future, just some money. There's nothing we can, nothing we can have. No, I just want some money. And so they weren't recognized, but Peter and John weren't recognized by the man as anyone who could give him any more than just some cash. See, tomorrow was just another day when he'd be taken to the same place for the same pattern of his life that had taken place for over 40 years. Do you know that God wants to, dis wants to destroy destructive patterns in your life? whether they be habits or just patterns, but he wants to destroy destructive patterns because if he doesn't destroy destructive patterns, those patterns take us back to the same place. They take us back to the same curb. Sitting in the gutter just expecting somebody to sort it out for us. The devil wants to break repetitive patterns that we find ourselves in. Destructive patterns. It's because in verse, in verse 3 of Acts chapter 3, it says, Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms. He, he, just, he just was just expecting his tomorrow to be the same as his today. Just give me some cash. Give me some cash. But the devil has a, the devil has a plan, but God has a plan too. God has a plan for this guy. So maybe we've gone out of time on here. So get it back on. So who's seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple? Last rounds. Then in verse 4 and 5 says, And fixing his eyes on him, with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. I tell you, I believe the body of Christ needs to learn how to fix our eyes on the needs of community and humanity. We need to learn how to know how to fix our eyes. Get this, because when we fix our eyes on 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 the on on the needs of humanity.
humanity gets our attention. Fixer, I see sometimes our eyes are all over the place. Our eyes are all over, our eyes are set by what is what if you like is what is on the inside of us. I tell you, I believe we can be so dismissive with what moves Jesus with compassion. When Jesus Bible says he looked up and he, and he says the fields are white under harvest. And he was moved with compassion. When he fixed his eyes on humanity, he was moved with compassion. And we, I believe, if, if, we, if we are who we say we are as people of God, Christ in us, the hope of glory, we should be able to see something of what he sees. Shally or Shani. We, we should be able to see something of what he sees. And fixing his eyes on him with John. Peter said, look at us. I believe when we when we when we see what Jesus sees, when our eyes fix on what He sees, we get moved with. We should be moved with compassion. And if we if we're moved with compassion, it should do something in us to do something about what we see. So we gave them His attention, expecting to receive something from them. You know, I I believe humanity should be looking at the church, expecting something. They may not be expecting what we know God can give them, but they're expecting something. When we fix our eyes on what we see around us, we get the attention of those who we're looking at. So I, I believe we, we can get so dismissive with what moves Jesus with compassion. You hear what I'm saying? So then Peter says to him, silver and gold, I do not have. To silver and gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. I can't give you what you're expecting, what you've been accustomed to, what you pre-programmed your mind to, to keep you in this destructive pattern of life. Silver and gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. You remember when Jesus sent his disciples out in two? He said, don't take with you any money. And you can take that however you want to take that, however you think that is meant to be. But I believe in them taking money. You say, well, they were taking money. They're expecting somebody else to take care of them. They're expecting to go here, there, and somebody, somebody put them up here, and somebody put them up there, somebody pay their bill here, somebody pay for their fuel over there, and all this sort of thing. You know, I believe if they'd have taken money with them, it would have been a distraction because they would have, they would have had something with them that had kept people in the destructive pattern of life to which they'd become accustomed to. Because it's very easy as a Christian to be nice. And, and, see, and, see, and see a need and see, well, we've got to, we've got to meet that need. And so let's just let's, let's throw some coins in his, in his hat. And don't we do that? Do we do that? Yeah. Of course we do. Of course we do. But the disciples didn't have it to do it. They didn't have it. They didn't. They didn't do. They didn't have anything which could have distracted them and say, "We will meet this person's need by just giving him some cash." Instead, they, 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 instead, instead, they had become used to. Peter and John had become used to, I believe, because they'd already been out in, on commissioned by Jesus to go into uh, to, to see people. Because they came back and they said, "We saw people healed. We saw people set free. Demons flee." So they were able to say, silver and gold we don't have. 
But what we do have, we can give you. Silver and gold I do not have, but that which I do have, I'm going to give you. See, we may not have silver and gold. And Peter and John, they could have had silver and gold. For over 40 years, this man had been kept in the same place because people had given him silver and gold. They'd given him some change in their pocket. They'd given him something which they'd taken with them. Uh, but Jesus said to his disciples, don't take anything with you. See, sometimes we get distracted. And Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. See, we can't give what we don't have. But what, what Peter did have on, some, on the inside of him was the name of Jesus. Because he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And of course, we know that's what he did. <laughs> you imagine being so bold. You imagine being so full of faith. You imagine being so sure of yourself and who you are in God. You're able to say, oh, I don't have this and I don't have that. I can't give you what you're expecting me to give you. What people have given you over the years, what all those good and nice and kind people in, in all their well-being and well-doing and doing the right thing and taking care of you and taking and, and doing, the, doing what is absolutely right. You know, I don't have that to give you. I can't, we can't get diverted by, by what we do have because we don't have it. But what I do have, I'm going to give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Peter didn't touch him. He didn't anoint him with oil. He didn't kneel down next to him and start praying for him and laying hands on him. All those things are right and all those things are good. It's almost like Peter, it's almost like Peter knew that he knew, that he knew, that he knew, that he knew that what he had was everything this man needed. So convinced on the inside of himself, everything he had, this, he had everything this man needed. But what I do have, I give you. What did he have? He had the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He knew who he was. He knew the power of Jesus' name. Peter made it abundantly clear whose name he had and whose name he had faith in. Because he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately, <laughs> this guy had been crippled for over 40 years. He had been carried every day for over 40 years and placed at the gate of the temple. So he could just sit there and, and, and maintain a pattern of destructiveness in his life. But Peter takes him by the right hand, having said in the name of Jesus Christ, and now that rise up and walk. You know, he reaches out. Not only does he just declare, he, he gives him a hand. I tell you, we need to be a people who give people a hand. Because people don't always know how to rise up. <laughs> Hello? If you haven't walked for 40 years, you won't know how to rise up. Some of you have been so, so, so ground in this destructive pattern that you're living your life, you don't know how to do any difference. You don't know how to do any different. So Peter effectively just, just gives him a little help and hand, just shows him. Just, just, just say, come on, you know, you've never done this before. This is, this is a new experience for you. <laughs> you've seen everybody else walking around. You've seen everybody else, but you said, well, I can never do that. I can never do that. I'm not that sort of person. But Peter rests, reaches out his hand. He says, in the name of Jesus, rise up. And he reaches out his hand and immediately, immediately his feet and ankle bones receive strength. So he, <laughs> it says he leaping up. Such is the power of God that he goes from being crippled and in a destructive pattern, a pattern of lifestyle for 40 years, immediately he comes up and he doesn't just jump, he doesn't just walk up and just grab, grab, grab hold of Peter. Give me, he starts leaping. <laughs> you ever seen a jack-in-the-box? Can you call it, are they, are they politically correct? Is that not going to offend anybody by having a jack-in-the-box, you know? You press the button and the lock, flip, and boom, out he comes. Can you imagine? This guy, 
has no strength whatsoever in his legs, in his ankles, in his feet or whatever. And he says, and immediately his feet and, bones, feet and ankle bones receive strength. So he leaping up, stood and walked. Enter the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. <laughs> as you would. Well, as you should. Isn't it so powerful, the name of Jesus? Isn't it so powerful? See, Peter knew the power of the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which men must be saved. Jesus. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And in saving people from their sins, he does a whole lot more, doesn't he? Because he destroys the work of the enemy. When Jesus was asking his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, who do men say I am? In verse 16, Peter says, and you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. You got this directly. You know that you know that you know. Didn't stop him from having this mind blocks every now and again where he just did stupid things. Even denied Jesus. But he knew that he knew that he knew. Thank the Lord the cock crowed. He knew that he knew that he knew. You are Christ, the Son of the living God. Philippians 2 and verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every knee, not just the bowing of the knees that we just, oh Lord, we worship. But every knee will bow at his name. Everything has to bow at the name of Jesus. See, so don't say what you've going on in your life is exempt from it because every knee will bow. The bow, bow of your, the, the knee of your depression will bow. The knee of your sickness will bow. The knee of that habit you've got in your life will have to bow at the name of Jesus. Every knee has to bow at the name of Jesus. See, when we get saved, how many of you are saved here this morning? I hope you, you know, if you're not, we gave you an opportunity and you should be by now. But you know, every, you know when you're saved, we are recognizing that Jesus overcame and overcomes the power of the devil in our life. And we receive that and we live that by faith. So every believer should have faith in the name of Jesus. <laughs> every believer should have a faith in the name of Jesus. Every, and so every believer, you know, Peter and John, they were the apostles of the early, early church. And they were with Jesus and they, and they gave their lives for the, for the gospel. They built the church. But they, they were just men and women like you and I. Well, men and men, <laughs> Sorry. See, the name of Jesus is recognized by the devil as a threat. He hates the name of Jesus. That's why it's so powerful. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus. Hate it. That's why, one of the reasons why we are to be a people who, who, who with the name of Jesus, we declare it and we speak it over situations in our lives. The devil hates it. Well, it's just a name. No, it's not just a name. It's the name of Jesus. Peter, when he got that revelation, it wasn't just a name. Jesus was a common name in that time. But the name of Jesus, flesh and blood, didn't reveal this to you, but Father who is in heaven. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blind Bartimaeus called out to Jesus. He said, Jesus, Son of David. He knew exactly who he was. He, he didn't call out Jesus, the Son of Tom, Dick, or Harry. He was clear in who he was calling on, whose name he was calling on. The name of Jesus Christ, the name Jesus, Son of David, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. And he hears. 
He hears. He hears like the eyes and the ears of God scan to and fro across the whole earth that he may show himself strong to those whose hearts are loyal to him. See, the powerful name of Jesus recognized by the devil as a threat. In Acts chapter 4, you know, as the ongoing implications of the, the, the backlash, if you like, of this guy being healed, and they, they get criticized for it. And, and so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Well, you know, they're trying to shut them up, aren't they? Because when you speak the name of Jesus, it causes uproar. Or it should. Conscious, I believe we should get to a place where every demonic force starts to tremble in the name of Jesus. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Such was on the inside of them. Such was it would have filled them with faith that they could not be quiet. They could not but speak of the things they'd seen and the things they'd heard. I'll tell you, some believers don't expose themselves to seeing things and hearing things. They haven't got a lot of faith on the inside of them. Hello? We don't expose ourselves to what will build faith. We expose ourselves to all sorts of other things. We don't expose ourselves to what will build faith. See, Peter and John had such faith in Jesus' name that they were able to stretch out a hand towards over 40 years of infirmity and declare the name of Jesus. If the name of Jesus can, have, can, can take authority over 40 years of infirmity, just think what it can take over situations you find yourself in in your life, I find myself in in my life. Come on, it's, you know. And immediately, the Bible says, complete soundness entered this feeble body. Where, you know, wow. Wow. So where, where, where did this faith come from? We could not, we cannot, you can't shut us up. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and which we have heard. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, faith comes. Hello. Faith comes. Faith comes. What we hold on the inside of our inner man is there because it comes. Hello. The Bible said a man's heart is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. And a woman's. Don't, don't get up on your high horse and look. Well, I'm a woman. No, a man's heart is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. So from, from, from the outset, our heart isn't good. So, what we feed our heart with grows. So, so what is on our, in, in our inner man is there because it comes. There's, there's, so, we, we have to combat that desperately wicked heart. That heart changes when we get saved. Amen? It gets renewed. It gets renewed. It gets renewed. How have you got a renewed heart? How have you got a renewed inner man? Yeah. Well, Paul says, strengthen that inner man. Yeah. Don't keep feeding it. Don't allow, don't allow that which comes to be that which waters it down, that which is destructive to it, but that which comes feeds it. See, because what we hold on our inside of us, our inner man is there because it comes. And so somehow on our inner man, we, we build faith in something.
you know, so faith comes. Everything on the inside of us is there because it comes. Some, for some people, faith comes by Pinterest. I think, that's only what I hear because I've never got into that myself. I just hear people say, have a look on Pinterest. <laughs> Maybe it's good. Maybe it's God. I don't know. Faith comes by what we feed ourselves in. What, what, whether faith, comes, what faith comes by hearing, but so does everything else. So does everything else come by hearing because it comes. And so what is on the inner, inner, our inner man is there because it's come. So what's, what we're holding on the inside, so Peter and John had allowed faith to build on them because faith comes and faith comes by hearing. They hear, they hear, they hear, they hear, they hear. They, they, they couldn't stop but, but you know, preach what they'd heard and what they'd seen. Well, because they expose themselves. See, what we expose ourselves to is what builds on the inside of us. Because it comes. We, we, we can choose to hear things or we can choose not to hear things. We can choose to expose ourselves to things or not expose ourselves to things. Faith comes by hearing. The Bible says in Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The sort of faith in the name of Jesus comes hearing by the word of God. Hearing by the word of God. And it grows in us. Now, every Bible says every person has a measure of faith. Every person. And it also says that you've only got to have faith the size of a mustard seed to see a mountain move from here to there, and it will. So every person has faith to a measure. If you've only got mustard seed-sized faith, you can build that. You can grow it. You can develop because faith comes. By hearing and hearing by the word of God. But also all the negativity, negative stuff in your life comes hearing by hearing a lot of negative stuff. You know, I could get on there, I could just I could look around here and I could find a lot of negative stuff. You, how many know it's very easy when you've got your iPad, your phone, your laptop to just scroll through a lot of negative stuff? And it's very interesting, isn't it? It's very captivating. But it's building something in you. How many of you know when you stroll around the Word of God? Stroll, scroll around the Word of God. And you scroll around the things of God and the podcasts that you listen to that build your faith and the courses that you do and the online stuff that you do and the books that you're reading. It builds faith in you. The conferences you watch or whatever, the music you listen to, it builds faith in you. It's building something in you. And you see, these guys had spent time with Jesus. You could give them, you could say, you could excuse them really for being so full of faith because they spent time with Jesus. Well, that's what happens when you spend time with Jesus. You can spend time with Jesus too. You can spend time with him and you too can build your faith. Faith comes. What we hold on our inside of us, our inner man is there because it has come. And somehow we've built faith in something. And what we, you know, that's why the Bible speaks about guarding your heart or guarding your inner man with all diligence. For out of it springs the issues of life. Guard in our hearts. You know, we, 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 we hold the keys of the gates, or we hold, the, we hold the, that which is, gives access to our hearts. Hello? How do you, you maybe get around people and, you, and, you're, and you're very careful how much access that you give them to your heart? Because if you give the wrong people access to your heart, it'll come back and hit you upside the face and, and you will regret it. Because once you've given them access to your heart, you, they've got access to hell, so many other areas of your life. It's like giving someone access to your phone. How many of you don't like other people having your phone? Hello? How many of you guard your phone? Where's my phone? You, 
You know, if I had a if I had a passcode for my phone, it would just drive me nuts. But I'm not worried about you know my my wife checks my phone more than I do. Have you seen this? Have you seen that? You know, <laughs> she just doesn't check my socks before I come out of church. <laughs> how, how many of you are really really touchy about your phone? How many of you are happy for, for your wife or your, to have access to the find my friends? Is there a find my wife on your phone or not? Is it just find friends? Can you only find friends? Can you not find a wife or a husband? Sometimes we, we, we see, when we, if we give someone access to our phone, we, we're giving them a lot of information about ourselves. When we give someone access to our heart, we're giving them a lot of information. Verse says, guard your heart with all diligence. Guard it. Guard it. Guard what you put in because what you, what, when, what you allow in will build faith. Hello? What you allow in will build your faith. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of those things not yet seen. Verse 2 goes on and says, For by it the elders have gained a, great, a good testimony. See, 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 building faith gives you a good testimony. And so, so that's why we need to look at those who've gone before us because you build our faith from their testimony. Hebrews chapter 12 goes on and says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay off every sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him despised the cross. Looking to those who have gone before. Build faith in us. Build faith in you. Build faith. Jude chapter 1 and verse 20 says, well, Jude 1 is verse, it is verse 20. <laughs> but you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Building yourself up on your most holy faith. Building yourself up on your most holy faith. Building yourself up on your most holy faith. What do we do to build ourselves up in this faith which we have, which we say, which we say we we have? But it's this faith. And Peter and John were able to get to that place and say to this, say to those those who who, who were critical of what had taken place and how they'd seen lives transformed and lives changed. And His name, through faith in His name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through Him has given him perfect soundness in the presence of you all. There's such power in the name of Jesus. Church, I encourage you to be one of those who builds yourself up in the faith in which you have in Jesus. You see, we have great faith to get saved. For by faith, for by grace we've been saved through faith. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Part of those good works, I believe, are having faith in the things of the kingdom of God and having faith in His name. Having faith in His name. You see, we, we find it very easy to, to demonstrate and to use our faith to get saved. Because we can just do that quietly in a, on a one-to-one. We can just do that, us and God. We can just do that in prayer, prayer and raise a hand. And, and yes, we get saved. If we can use our faith, to see our lives totally transformed and turned around. Let's build our faith in our most build up faith in our most holy faith. Let's build ourselves up. Because that same power which raised Jesus from the dead is available to every believer. It's available to every believer. Every person, every believer has a measure of faith. Let's have faith and demonstrate it in the name of Jesus. Sometimes we think the name of Jesus is offensive. Sometimes we think the name of Jesus is a little bit over the top. But the deeper our revelation of who Jesus is, 
and what he has done for us and for done for humanity. I believe we'll see more and more and more of the moves of God like what we're seeing in the New Testament. See, if we don't believe it can happen, if we're continually rebuilding doubt in our minds and watering down the Word of God, bringing it into a sphere which is comfortable, unacceptable and unoffensive. We won't see what God wants us to see. And His name, through faith in His name, has made this man strong. Yes, the faith which comes through Him has given Him His perfect soundness or His perfect strength in the presence of you all. Come on, church, we all live around situations where there is weakness, where there is crippleness, where there is destruction, where there are patterns of destructive behaviors just go round and round and round and come back to the same place. But he who is in us is greater than he who is in this world. Each and every one of you Can use the name of Jesus. Can use the name of Jesus. And faith in his name. Sometimes we skirt all around the mountain. Instead of declaring faith in his name. Sometimes we're just too scared. Sometimes we're just too embarrassed. Sometimes we, we really couldn't care. Oh, yes, we care. I tell you, I believe a lot of times we just don't care enough. Well, he's been there 40 years. Another 10 years isn't going to make any difference. He's just got used to this sort of lifestyle. He's well accustomed to it. He's got his blue badge. Get all the help he needs. Sometimes we just really don't care. We can be so dismissive with what moves Jesus with compassion. That we, be, we remain inactive. But by grace, you have been saved through faith. It's the gift of God. It's not works. It's not about works. For we're His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which He prepared beforehand for us to walk in. I believe Jesus, you know, He... he he didn't heal that man on the times that he went up to the temple in three and a half years. He would have walked past that man because he had prepared that for Peter and John. And now was their moment. Silver and gold we don't have. But what we do have, I'm going to give you. In the name of of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I'm going to use what I do have. Sometimes we've filled ourselves up so much with stuff that we do have that can help. But we've not filled ourselves up with that which will heal. So in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And with that, he stretched out his hand and lifts the man and the lamb leaps up. And instantly, instantly he's healed. So just two ordinary guys, but they spend time with Jesus. Who touched me? Who touched me?
who touched me. And in his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and you know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Nothing else than just declaring the name of Jesus. Saw this man totally sound. Totally set free. So this man, he, of course, he wasn't back there the next day, was he? He was jumping and leaping and praising God. Jumping and leaping and praising God. He never went back to that place. Why would he go back to somewhere where he'd been here from? Hello? Why would he go back there? I know people that have had situations go on in life. God has done something in their life so powerfully. So powerfully. Testified of it. Three years later, they sat back in the same place. Sat back in the same place. Why? Because they weren't walking and leaping and praising God. They weren't walking and leaping and praising God. And I'm not just talking physically walking and leaping, but you can walk and you can leap and you can praise God. Amen. Do you receive something this morning? Do you receive something this morning? Let's stand on our feet today because God wants us to minister to some people just at this moment. Just stand on our feet this morning. If you've got something taking place in your life, I want you to declare the name of Jesus over that. says signs follow the preaching of the word. Why? Because faith comes. Signs follow the preaching. Why? Because faith comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. If your heart's been receptive and your mind's attentive to the voice of God this morning, you will have, your faith will have built in you today. Faith will have built in you. Faith will have built in you this morning. If you are here this morning and you feel like there's a pattern of destructiveness in your life, like this man who's there every day, would come back to the same place every day, nothing changed for him. It's a pattern he had. If you feel there's a pattern of destructiveness in your life, can you come and stand right here? You just keep coming back to the same place. You say, well, it's not really destructive. Maybe destructive isn't quite the right word, but it's, it's contrary to the will of God in your contrary to God's pattern of God's best for your life. It's almost like you feel like you're saying, I'm no further on than I was six months ago, a year ago, ten years ago. Is that person here this morning? It's coming back to the same place. Your step of faith, your your demonstration of faith is a step is a step. It's a step. It's a step. Is anybody else? Is there anybody else? Well, what will people think? Who cares what people think? Who cares what people think? What they will think is you're big and you're bold. And you're fed up with being sick and tired. <laughs> or you're fed up with the, with the pattern. 
what better place to, to do that in the house of God where there's not people going to come and there, there you, but there's going to be people come and champion you and stand shoulder to shoulder with you. Say, yes, you can, in the name of Jesus. Is there anybody else this morning? Please, please don't be embarrassed. Is there anybody else? Let's just worship God for a few moments before we close.